Hello, my name is Adam Eason and welcome to episode 122 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a brilliant show lined up for you today. It's a special edition. Um, and we've not had a special edition for a while. Um, I mean, we've been a bit quiet in recent weeks because it's been the summer holidays. Um, and there's been lots going on. So I'm bringing you a, a special edition focusing on the UK Hypnosis Convention that comprises of a series of interviews that I've conducted in the past fortnight. First up, I have James Brown then Anthony Jackwin, then Sean Michael Andrews and Jürgen Rasmussen and I'm talking to them about their latest work and the presentations they're going to be giving at the UK Hypnosis Convention um, workshops and, and of course I speak to Anthony about his keynote um, and there's, there's loads of use, loads of gold nuggets of information and, 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 and wonderfulness um, um, for you uh, hypnosis and hypnotherapy lovers um, um, in here. Um, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with all of our usual features, um, a series of exciting guests. Until then, enjoy this wonderful series of interviews and I'll be back, um, as I say, in a couple of weeks' time. So, hello everyone. Um, I'm, I'm here at uh, UK Hypnosis Convention HQ. Where, where everything is, is white uh, on the, and, and there's writing on the walls. Um, um, but today I'm joined by James Brown over there. I'm joined <laughs> by James Brown. Yay! Welcome, hey. James. Uh, hello. How you doing? Um, so, so I'm going to be really honest with everybody. Um, 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 there are numerous reasons for James being the first of our speakers to be interviewed for the 2019 convention. Um, um, but mainly it's because I'm so utterly new to the world of using Zoom. Um, um, as, as people may have seen in my previous video, uh, James is, uh, happens to be a close friend of mine. Um, he, he doesn't really act like it, but <laughs> he's a close friend of mine. Um, 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 and it means he, he kind of won't mind if I cock things up while I'm getting to grips with it all um, in this festival. So, um, um, for those of you that are not familiar with James, um, he's been performing for over 20 years, regardly, uh, uh, regarded as, as, as one of the leading close-up magicians, um, um, achieving a prestigious title of close-up magician of the year um, by the Magic Circle. Um, um, over the past couple of decades, James has been in demand to consult on several high-profile TV shows, as well as lecturing worldwide on performance, skills, confidence, and of course, uh, hypnosis. And, and at this year's convention, um, um, James's lecture is going to be demonstrating and talking about how, how powerful inductions can be when you are not tied to a formulaic process. Um, I'm, I'm, so, so, so James, you're going to be teaching about the ability to create inductions rather than relying on a one-size-fits-all approach. So just tell us a little bit about that. Right. Yeah. So inductions have always fascinated me as a performer uh, in, in various ways. Uh, um, many years ago, you and I did a couple of seminars together with, with rapid inductions. And I always found it fascinating, the idea that people 
always look for the um, for the ritual within one of these inductions. And part of my fun when I was doing the the, the thing with you was 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 making stuff up, throwing in stuff that I knew was utterly irrelevant and did nothing. Uh, yeah, but 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 also very purposefully adding stuff in which which had the feel of being important, but, but just wasn't important at all. In, in, so I, I was testing back then this idea of, well, you know, what can you add in? What can you take out? What really makes this stuff work? Yeah. Uh, and I found that the, the, the less constrained you are to not just a, a set of rituals in the, in the induction themselves, but actually the less you're constrained with a, a set of beliefs about what's going on at that point, the better. Do you see what I mean? I'm, I'm, yeah. I think this idea of just going, right, it must work because of this reason and that's it. And I need to follow this protocol, A, B, C, D. And it, it closes the door on far more people than you'd imagine. And I think that was the big thing for me as a performer, watching all the other, not I say all the other, that sounds like terribly egotistical, but a lot of the other hypnotists um, uh, following a, a, a sort of rules and regulations within the way that they did things but only getting a proportion of the the audience responding. Right, yeah. Because you mentioned, you mentioned also that it's important to choose the induction for the participant. Yeah, exactly. So, so whereas just having this one-size-fits-all, I started to think about the idea of, well, maybe, maybe my job wasn't, wasn't just to filter people to one way of doing it. Maybe my job was actually to find out what way works best for you. Uh, yeah. which I know is something that a lot of hypnotherapists do. Uh, the big take-home message for, that, that I want people to get, if you like, from this will be inductions are really useful sometimes on a theatrical level, if, if nothing else. They are incredibly beneficial. Yeah. But not to have such belief and faith and trust in them that you get bogged down because actually my, my experience is also that sometimes the person requires no induction that actually the whole, the whole thing, even therapeutically um, I know that there's probably a lot of cases where somebody would walk through a hypnotherapist door and the hypnotherapist would do an induction and do all of their work when actually they didn't really need an induction. What they needed is somebody to talk to and a few ideas in their head played around with um, you know, uh, a few tools to yeah. walk away with. Um, but we, we're so fixated in the, right, we must do, you know, it, it has to start with the, uh, you know, a build up, a pre-talk suggestion, deepeners, da, da, da. And, and we get lost in that, I think. So hopefully this is going to free everybody up and yeah. you'll walk away uh, feeling invigorated and excited. And, and I'm going to th kind of throw lots of ideas in people's yeah, as well. I mean, I, 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 I'm excited for. because you know, you know. I mean, I, 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 every now and then, um, um, every now and then, you know, you you, you say things that that, that that I find quite a challenge to, to to my own process and my own um, and my own views. Um, um, but one of the things that that always always sticks in my mind is from 
it's from, from you know from, from, from many years ago when you and I used to used to do the 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 the, the geek meetups, the, the, the hypnosis meetups in Bournemouth. And uh, we go into a pub afterwards and I'd be sort of stood at the bar discussing theory with people. And, uh, and I'd turn around and, and you'd be uh, sort of chatting in the ear of some guy whose hand was stuck to a fruit machine. Um, um, and, 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 you know, wherever we went, there would be people um, experiencing hypnotic phenomena and you were doing, and, and, you know, we were trying to work out, well, you know, where was that induction and what was that induction that was going on there? Um, and it made for some for some really interesting it's a really interesting perspective for me um, and, and it would probably be remiss of me not to mention that that you know in recent years as well as being a very popular figure at the UK hypnosis convention you know that there have been some some shenanigans um, um, you know, including a, a man lying on the floor in a corridor at your feet yeah I, I, I think a little bit of controversy here and there yeah. Um, um, you know, now that now that I'm kind of you know at, at the reins of this particular event, it's important that I that I know and probably other people know um, um, whether we should expect more of that this year. Um, I wouldn't put it past me. <laughs> you have to understand. You have to understand. None of this ever gets planned. No, right? Okay. It's, it's, no, 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 no. I, I, you know, I, I've worked closely with you. You know, I, yeah. I know that. Yeah. So the reality is, yeah, probably. Do you know what? I, I, sometimes I think that people need permission to question and challenge things because actually our, our, just our social makeup as human beings wanting to be heard creatures means that we tend not to unless we, unless we see somebody else doing it, unless we get permission. And I'm kind of lucky in a way that while I've got really great connections to this community, we all know I'm not in it. Not, not really, not in the same way that, that means that, you know, my livelihood is not on the line. If I say something out of place at a convention, yeah. you know, my, you know, I, I, nothing bad happens to me, you know, it, it, even, even if sort of, you know, people were, were, were standing outside with picket, you know, like placards, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if people, people inside the room we were, were so happen. angry, with what I was saying, they were just ripping up the chairs and hurling them at the start. <laughs> uh, the outcome would still realistically be it would make it would make no real great difference on 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 my life. So I, I'm in the luxury of being able to say things that are controversial, that are challenging, but I also think they need to be said. I really do believe that they need to be said. Now, I mean, this year I'm I'm talking about inductions, but I'm still going to be undoubtedly having a little bit of a pop at the people who see themselves as gurus and all sorts of other bits and pieces, just because I think it fits within that, that category. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've fallen for it myself. I've sold inductions in the past and I would, I would sell an induction again, but I wouldn't do it now in any sense as if it in and of itself did anything of any value at all, really. And, and, and if you change anything, like it will matter. And, and that's really my point, that we've got to be careful not to fall for, for, the, for the rituals and all the other bits and pieces. They do something, they have a purpose, they have a benefit. Human brains love rituals. But, but we, we need to, we just need to think a little bit more and, and, and be willing to let go of a few assumptions and, and dare I say, a bit of magical thinking. Because, you know, it, given the choice, most of us, if we're really truly honest, we'd rather it was magic than science. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, and for people that want to have this debate, uh, I, I, I can see James trying to trying to cajole me into uh, uh, this debate here, but uh, that, that's not going to happen in this particular call. Um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, because, he's learning. Because he's learning. For me personally, I see I see value and benefit in in standardisation in order to be able to apply some scientific yeah. thinking from time to time. But 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 you're quite right. I, no, I, I'd agree with that. You don't get me wrong. Well, I would agree. I've been out, yeah, whenever I've been out and whenever we've been to to, to places, you, you know, um, and you and I have been have been either teaching together or doing things together, you, you know, the, the the wow factor and the, the astonishment factor that I that I talk about. Uh, 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 Using astonishment as a way to, to drive your business, for example, mm. is something that, that, that you have in, in, in absolute abundance. And, and you know, it's, it's one of the reasons that I'm such a big fan of, of your work, e even if we don't always necessarily agree on, on, on everything. Um, we um, don't have to. That's the great thing about yeah, viewpoint well, exactly, diversity. Exactly. We're, we're still friends, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least we make out we are, right? <laughs> And um, um, but so, so, so when it comes to creation, um, when it comes to, to, to inductions, you know, James is going to be talking about being creative, making your own. And, and, and you know, there's being always attentive. a huge amount the, the of takeaway. Yeah, being attentive. That, that, that would be my, num my number one takeaway from, from anybody listening or watching this would be really think about attentiveness. Think about yeah. how attentive you are and pay in, because you can learn so much and it will steer how you think and what you do so much more um uh you know and, and ultimately i learned that weirdly from being a pickpocket being attentive that's what gets you in yeah 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 awesome awesome so um i'm, I'm come to the uk hypnosis convention let james steal your watch come learn stuff um, i mean go buy tickets learn read about james's presentation over at the uk hypnosis convention website ukhypnosisconvention.co.uk Thank you, James. Really looking forward to, to seeing you again in November. Um, um, and um, I'll be back. I'm going to be back with another video next week. Our, our next one is going to be with um, keynote speaker, Anthony Jackwin. Um, so um, I'll be back then. Um, many thanks. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs> okay. So, hello everyone. I have the world famous Anthony Jackwin with me here today. Welcome, Ant. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for the uh, opportunity to have a chat before, you know, November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give much of an intro um, to, to Anthony here today, other than to say, you know, he's our keynote. Um, um, he's our keynote speaker. He's our main man this uh, this year's UK Hypnosis Convention. You know, I'm I'm, I'm really proud. I'm really old honoured and, and I think it's quite obvious when you research him and his work as to as to why he would be our, our keynote this year and, and, and you know speaking of which um, 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 and you know I, I know a lot of the work that you do in summer where you're kind of prolific at festivals where you work with with performance hypnosis in pockets mm -hmm. of people and yeah. I, you know I, I know that you also did a, a a huge stage show in India recently where you know, when you're on the stage, you do also share the stage with the participants of the show. So I'm interested, you know, about the, the, the prospect of being keynote, where, where all the focus is upon you. Um, um, you know, does it feel like a really different proposition for you? You know, or are you taking it all in your stride? How are you feeling about it, you know? 
Um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm never entirely comfortable with all of the focus being on me, to be honest. Um, I, you know, I say that even when I'm teaching performers, it's not kind of a natural place for me to be stepping out center stage. Um, it's just not, it's just something I enjoy doing. I love this subject enough. That's part of the reason I started performing was I had an interest in exploring with hypnosis, not becoming a performer. So, um, I do it and I enjoy the, 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 the thrill of it and the bit of anxiety that comes with it and all that kind of stuff. But this is a different proposition. I haven't given a keynote before. Um, and, you know, to the point where I've had to think, well, what is a keynote? And, and that word is, the yeah. key, which is the keynote in a sense should, you know, kind of sum up the spirit of our times with regard to, this this topic or the event in some fashion um, yeah. so certain aspects of that speak for themselves you know the event does a very good job at bringing different groups of people together different rationales for what they do different ways of applying what they do brings performers into the mix um, which the hypnotherapists seem to enjoy as well yeah. so, um, of course I'll be encouraging that but you know, I want to get into the fact that right now is the best time for us to be involved in the topic. It's better than ever. Um, it was great when I only had two or three books to draw upon and one or two odd friends to chat with now. <laughs> now I can feel my day um, speaking, as, as my daughter says, to your weird friends. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there, there is that. There's lots of promise and lots of potential. Um, but I'm also going to bring a bit of a sort of Elon Muskian um, fear vibe to the thing and say we need to watch out because technology is on our tail and we need to embrace what's happening right now um, and make the most of it. We can just just in the same way we're embracing a video call, you know, a few years ago doing therapeutic stuff yeah. over Skype or it's now doomed for many of us. Um, uh, some people were advocating it and into it and others were, you know, myself included, a, a little bit behind the curve on it. But going further than that, there's so many opportunities now with voice and um, I'm working on a few really interesting projects right now that are sort of combining um, information from biosensors, wow. watches, VR, with therapeutic outcomes, clinical outcomes. And... It's fantastic and it's exciting, but ultimately the, the hypnotist is, is going to start to look like a bit of a spare part at some point. You know? Yeah. So I want to... I find that really interesting as well, because I mean, one of the things I said um, at, at, at conference earlier this year, funnily enough, was that the way in which technology has grown and the way in which kind of we've made great strides in some areas... Um, um, I, I don't think it's been parallel in the way in which we've developed perhaps in the last 50 years. And perhaps that might just be me on my soapbox as, uh, as always. But one of the things I wanted to say, and one of the things that, that I've always really admired about you and your work, every project that I've ever been involved in that, that, that you have, you have prepared meticulously. 
and and, and I've always loved that about you. Um, I'm, I'm, and, and I think that's, that, that makes things even more exciting um, um, for me about, about, about looking forward to, you, to your keynote in November. And, and of course, then your, your presentation. And your presentation this year is one that I'm excited about as well. You know, it's, it's exploring a favorite topic of mine, that of self-hypnosis, but also yeah. encouraging hypnotists to, to progress themselves as subjects. Yeah. You know, to, to, tell, tell me why you think that's so important. Uh, I, I guess because it's become important to me. You know, I've been doing this for the best part of 20 years. And I have sort of overlooked it. But in terms of self-application, I didn't use or query or, or, or play with self-hypnosis enough for, for two reasons. One is that I first of all thought, I'm not a great subject. I'm not a great candidate. Therefore, yeah. it's only going to lim- you know, have limited effect. And the second was a belief that we're fixed in that fashion as subjects. We don't really develop that much. We can try with the best of intentions, but a low is a low and a high is a high. Um, I don't believe either of those things anymore. I appreciate some people are naturally skilled. You know, your book about self-hypnosis really was the one that brought that home to me. Um, I know, you know, we read a lot of the, 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 the generation or two before, you know, you wrote your book who are into this kind of point of view, but that bit really became clear with your book that, you know, hypnotic responding is a skill and I can get better at it and I don't need to have a special brain. So that got me back into um, really applying self-hypnosis. And because I'm obviously free of... Um, a state frame being a prerequisite for doing the work. I don't believe yeah. we need to, to, to necessarily do that, although I think it can be useful to, you know, um, uh, become focused on what it is we're attempting to do and, you know, have some intention about what it is we, 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 we want to create with our self-hypnosis. But um, that, in my personal experiments led to this thing of we'll just begin wherever you're at right now. Yeah. So, and that kind of led me back in a bizarre way to what many people want from their application of self-hypnosis, which paradoxically is a state change. They're looking for a, a kind of state change. So I want to encourage people to look at it again. I, something kind of sneaky I've been doing to pretty much every lecture or or group I've been training in the last few years is when we get to the self-hypnosis stuff I just say right in this room it's full of hypnotherapists how many people in this room have a regular you know almost disciplined practice or use of self-hypnosis how many of you use it every week yeah and I'm sure it's different if you were to ask your your groups um because of the emphasis that you place on it but honestly man it's like crickets it's like five percent of (laughs) yeah you know it's not I guess what, what, what many people would imagine. There's a lot of people in the same stuck place doing great work, you know, clocking up miraculous anecdotes with the people they're working with, but not really applying it to themselves. So I want to encourage people wherever you're at to kind of see it like fitness. And if you're, you know, can't do a single push up or you can't run to the bus stop or, you know, just accept that we're all a bit kind of flabby and, and lazy with this, but we can, we can start, we can begin. Yeah. Today. I love that. And the, the, the other bit that's kind of shaped what I've been doing, you know, I have a webinar series. It's the second one I've done, but we're about seven months into a 12 month series. 
um, which is principally focused on, as you said, treating yourself as your own self-hypnosis laboratory. And we've been using things like, uh, we started with taking people through the creative imagination scale of Barber, which was an interesting experiment, got into all of the the tips and tricks that fell out of the CSTP and Gorosini's four minute intervention. And what does this really mean if we're doing self-hypnosis? And then a thing that, that had a big impact on me, um, John Kilstrom. So I think you'd call him a cognitive psychologist. He's always yes. in hypnosis. Um, I guess a bit of a kind of altered states kind of guy. But he um, bigs up this book called The Psychology of Consciousness by William Farthing. It's out of print, but Kilstrom made it available online as a PDF. If you search, it's you know, the back end of some university library somewhere. It's an excellent book, although I'm sure it's, you know, it's probably 30 years old, so it's, it's inevitably dated. Um, excellent book throughout, but there's, there's, there's one particular chapter on altered states, and he, he brings up the work of Charles Tart. Now, Charles Tart, um, again, he takes a bit of a beating from, from the sceptics because he sort yeah. of... He, but early on, late 60s, early 70s, he wrote some excellent books about altered states and, you know, had some credentials as a psychologist and academic and managed to make that part of the, the, the field of study. Um, he carried on doing all sort of weird parapsychology experiments, in, in my opinion, sort of held on for a bit too long to the idea that, you know, he might actually do the, you know, you're thinking of, a, uh, of some wavy lines and it might actually yeah. work the data a little bit um so so toward the end of his career you know perhaps his scientific credentials because he was pitching himself as a scientist as a skeptic um, and that took a bit of a beating however early on they did this mass study where they um looked at the reports of people who had experienced altered states. So they looked at meditators, they looked at drug experiences, people who had been sick, you know, people who had been caught up in some kind of moment that they would consider an altered state. They combed that through, um, you know, essentially for the, a bit like we reach for the big five to describe personality. They combed that for the words that people typically use or the dimensions people typically use to describe state. And I found this super interesting and it came down to like these 14 different dimensions of attention, you know, just imagine it could be inward, it could be outward, it could kind of be somewhere between the two, but we could probably play with it. Um, The imagery you use, the inner speech you use, uh, higher level thought processes, the meaning or significance you give an event like, you know, I know that was, that was meaningful, even if I don't. Yes. Um, the emotional feeling and the, and the way you express it, levels of arousal. And, and one of them, of course, is a sense of self-control. And yeah. Level of suggestibility. So basically this, um, for me, has become like, in terms of, well, I want to, you know, I'm going to do this keynote. I'm feeling a bit hot. I'm feeling a bit sorry about this. I want to do something about it. Or what is this? Begin, I, want, I need to change my state. I find this like, think of it like a, I don't even know what a 3D data set is, but imagine a three-dimensional data set with, I could, I could pull on any of these 14 levers. I could start to become self-aware, first of all, of where my attention is and what I'm saying to myself and all that stuff. So um, 
that's kind of become my little playbook for self-hypnosis is recognize that, you know, life is self-hypnosis, self-harm is self-hypnosis, self-healing, self-hypnosis. And we can begin right now because this state, which is bothering you or you'd like to be free of, or this uh, state that you'd like to turn up in, you know, both of them are, are fictions and both are malleable even if they currently seem solid and real or they seem distant and hard to reach, we can, we can get there. So that's what I'm going to be waffling on. I'm so excited about this. You, you you know, um, a few days ago, you and I are having an exchange about, uh, about some ideas that I have and lots of the points you were talking about there, especially, you know, elements of self-control and volition, for example, are, are really relevant to me at the moment. You know, I, I, I'm even in a place where I'm thinking of, of kind of, kind of letting go of this, this idea of self hypnosis and referring to it as phenomenological control. Um, um, and, Thanks. And, I lost and, half a day after you uttered that to me. It was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's some really interesting things. So I, you know, I can't wait to sit in on on this presentation. Um, um, you know, I'm really excited about that. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping everybody tuning in, everybody that's watching this um, um, gets excited about that as well. Um, um, come and join, you know, the, the, the titan of our field <laughs> that, is, that is Anthony Jacqueline, yeah. um, I, as well as myself and some, you know, you know, one heck of a lot of other awesome hypnosis professionals um, this November. Um, information and details of tickets, um, purchases can be found at ukhypnosisconvention.co.uk. Um, I'm Anthony. Anthony, thank you so much um, um, for, for, for coming and, and sharing some time today. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and thank everybody for tuning in. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in November. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Adam. And I'll be, I'll, I will come bearing gifts. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another reason to be coming, people. You, you know, you, you, you'll have to wait and see what Anthony's talking about. I come bearing gifts. All right. Hello there, everybody. I'm joined by the world's fastest hypnotist, the one and only Mr. Sean Michael Andrews. Yay! Welcome, Sean. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Thank you for, uh, for calling me. So, you know, um, Sean is very well known and much loved within, within the field. He's taught hundreds of hypnotists in 17 countries and he's been around for many years. And I think he needs no further introduction from me today. Um, um, and he's coming back to the UK Hypnosis Convention. I, you know, I'm thrilled and all the team here are. Um, on Thursday, the 7th of November, Sean's going to be running a one-day pre-convention workshop, instant and rapid inductions for, for therapists. Um, in the write-up that, that, that you sent through to us that, that, that's on the website, Sean, you mentioned that one of your, your kind of former frustrations in the earlier stages um, of your career was that you know you felt you couldn't get every client into hypnosis, and that sometimes they didn't, that they weren't very deep, um, and some of them even opened their eyes at the end of the session and said, you know, that, that they didn't know if they were really hypnotized, you know. So, so, but but you remedied that. Um, t- t- tell me what you did, how you went about things. Okay, yeah, well, that's that's uh, the real 
fear of most brand new hypnotists, isn't it? That we can't get somebody into hypnosis. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a talk therapist. And I'm not qualified to do that sort of work. In my work, I, I hypnotize people and they get, I give them suggestions that will be good for them and help them get the changes that they want to make in their life. Yeah. And that works pretty nicely. But it all hinges on getting that person into hypnosis, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and that, yeah. that's the fear because for the new hypnotist, you wonder, and, and this is this is funny because you mentioned that, yes, I, I've taught in 17 countries. And and one of the things I've I've noticed in every one of those countries is a significant percentage of the hypnotist or hypnotherapists are not absolutely confident in their ability to put people into hypnosis. And there are many reasons for that, but that person sits down in their chair and they are thinking, Oh my gosh, I sure hope this works. And that's terrible. I mean, you would not go to a dentist if he, you know, he was thinking, I just can't remember how to drill these teeth. And, <laughs> yeah. and this Novocaine, I'm not sure exactly how much to use it. It's, <laughs> you wouldn't do that. But, but with hypnotists, that's what the situation is with a, a significant percentage of us are not that confident in our ability to get them into hypnosis. Okay, so. So that was that was the the one thing that uh, that bothered me. The other thing uh, was I wanted to get a nice deep trance. Now I later learned, and you're fu fully aware of this, that that there really doesn't seem to be a correlation between depth of trance and the change that the client makes. Uh, you know, I learned this in my weight loss sessions, and and I had some clients that went super deep but they didn't lose very much weight. And I had others that I knew darn well were just in a light state of hypnosis and they lost all the weight. So, right. but that, that's another matter. Yeah. What, what I think is I like to get as much depth, whether it's in the, um, in the therapy room or giving a demonstration or something, I want as much depth as I can get because mm -hmm. that opens up all kinds of other possibilities for me. So, the other thing, my other frustration, and I know that's it, all right, for anyone watching this, I, I bet you've never heard this. You've done a good session. You finished. You emerged them from hypnosis, and the person says, "You know, I'm not real sure I got hypnotized." You've never heard that, right? <laughs> and every, I have, every, I have heard lots of other people have had that experience. Yeah, exactly. Other people, not us. <laughs> so anyway, that and that that. That hurt me, you know, when they said that because yeah, I knew right. darn well that they were they were in hypnosis and but they weren't sure. So so I came up with a, a test that I do for all my clients just to ensure that they know they're hypnotized. Because as we know, if the client doesn't think she was hypnotized, then the next thought that pops into her head is going to be, so probably all that stuff that guy told me isn't going to work. So, so that's not good. So it really helps our therapy to stick if the client knows that he or she is hypnotized. So I test them all. And uh, the tests, I give them three tests and they follow the Aaron scale pretty much. And yeah. Aaron's scale, Aaron's, Aaron's level one for depth of trance, which is a light level of trance, is demonstrated often by catalepsy of a small group of muscles. And in this case, uh, the eyes. So what I do is I seal the client's eyes shut and then I tell her that 90% or 80% of my clients are women. So I'll just use she. <laughs> so so I, I seal her eyes shut and then challenge her to open them and I, I'm a little sneaky I put a little double bind in there the harder you try to open them where they stick and they're trying to get their eyes open of course they can't do it yeah. and 
So that's one. And then I test for Aaron's two, which is usually demonstrated by catalepsy of a group of larger, larger muscles, in this case, the arm. And so I'll take her, I'll say, I'm going to take her arm by the wrist. I'm going to hold it out in front of her. I want her to make it straight and stiff and rigid as a steel bar. And then I challenge her to bend her arm. And of course she can't uh, because she's in a pretty deep trance. Now, and then the, the third test that I use, instead of going for, most people test for Aaron's three, which is a medium level trance, uh, as um, getting aphasia. You know, for instance, take away the person's name and they know it, but they just can't get it out. What I do is I stick them to the arm of the chair, stick their hand to the arm of the chair. Or if it's a, if it's a, a folding chair, I'll stick their hand to the frame of the chair and challenge them, to pull it off. And then when they've done that, I'll say, so do you think you're hypnotized? And of course they'll say, yeah, I think something funny is happening here. Yeah. I think I'm in an altered state. And so, so now you've, you've proven to them that they're hypnotized and you've really helped to make your therapy work. And I've done this with, well, every client, the first time they come and see me, every client gets the same treatment and every client passes. Why? Well, I always do it at the end of the session. So they've been hypnotized for half an hour or 45 minutes by the time I do the test. So that's the deepest they're ever going to be during that session. So I know this will work and it, and it always does work. Um, But then I was experimenting. I know you like to do experiments, Adam. I was experimenting to see what would happen if I put the test in the beginning of the session. So I did my induction and I did my deepening and then I locked their eyes shut, locked their arms so they couldn't bend it and stuck them to the chair. And of course they passed that too. But at the end of the session, a couple of them said to me, well, yeah, I did, but I I felt like I could have bent my arm and I'm still not sure I was hypnotized. And I thought, this doesn't make sense to me. It works so well the other way. And, and so then I moved the test to back to the end of the session and they stopped telling me that they thought they hadn't been hypnotized. And my theory on this, although I don't know how to prove it, my theory on this is that it, it has to do with recency of memory. You know, it, since it was such a, a recent thing that happened to them that they were stuck to the chair, it yeah. made impression to the, uh, on them when they come out of hypnosis. So, so yeah, so that that's what I do, and I I don't hear, I don't hear that phrase anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I love the experimentation. I, I love the kind of dealing with and working with feedback over the years. You, you know, these, these, these are favorite topics of mine. Um, um, uh, I know from, from my own work, I'm guessing you encounter it a bit as well, um, 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 that, you know, some professionals are taught perhaps, you know, one single um, and maybe a, a kind of lengthier um, um, induction process um, and sometimes even a little bit more sort of somber one and, and, and may not feel confident or assured in doing stuff that is instant or rapid processes that, that you teach um, um, that, that kind of confidence that that's something that that you help with don't you oh yeah and uh, what we do and I've changed the way I've taught this over the I've been teaching this for about 15 years now and I've changed the way I teach it now so that there's a lot more practice during the session because uh, I found that I found that uh, that the students enjoy it more uh, when they're actually using what you teach them. And so lots of practice. And that's that's really the best way to gain confidence in these things. Uh, the other thing is to just learn, learn the inductions well and safely. I'm a, I'm a huge safety advocate. Uh, I've never hurt anyone and I'm never going to because yeah. I'm always 
extra careful to make sure that the inductions are going to be done safely. Um, but there are some clients that are just difficult to hypnotize. It's, it's, that's the way it is. Sure. And, uh, and some of them are just caught up in their own thoughts. And for those people, often the best induction to use is an instant induction, a shock induction. And yeah. when you use that, then, and, and also I teach, I teach in the class how to, if you're doing a, your slow induction and it just doesn't seem to be working now in my mind, a slow induction is one that lasts about three minutes, but you're doing your slow induction. It doesn't seem to be working. Then you can seamlessly move into an instant induction and the client is none the wiser. She yeah. just thinks that that's the way hypnosis works. And so, and so that way you can, you can easily get the job done because often an instant induction is the only way you're going to get a person past their thoughts and into hypnosis. So, and then the other thing, okay, the, the other issue with, uh, with using these or the other advantage to using these faster inductions is they're perfect if you want to actually make a living as a hypnotist <laughs> because, yeah. because it's difficult. It's, I mean, there are some great hypnotists out there that are failing miserably because they don't have clients. And if you want to get clients, in my experience, the best way to do that is to give demonstrations. And if you want to give demonstrations that wow the crowd and, uh, and get people, you know, very eager to come in and do hypnotherapy with you, you have to do the, the instant inductions. And then of course there's a thought, well, yeah, I know, but, uh, what if I do that and it fails? Well, right now, my, I, I currently believe that it is impossible for you to fail. Um, I mean, I, that used to scare the dickens out of me that, that <laughs> I fail. And, and, and it, I, guess, I guess it would scare anybody, the idea that they might fail. So, so then I started experimenting, and particularly for the four years when I was in Germany, I started experimenting with hypnotizability. And what makes people more hypnotizable than others? And there, I found a lot, a lot of information just in my experiments. You know, there, you can pick these people out. And then also, uh, I've, I've gotten, I've developed some kind of sneaky tricks so that I can, I can easily identify these highly hypnotizable people. They don't know what I'm doing. And they just think, wow, he never picks a bad person. He always picks a good person. And well, yeah. yeah, because I trick them into identifying themselves as good people. And then they come up and of course they go into hypnosis and, and I, I never yeah. fail. I know I've seen you up close and in action, you know, when you, when you were based in Germany for that time and you came over to Bournemouth oh, yeah. and you know, everybody, everybody there just smiled nonstop for two hours while you were presenting and lecturing. And, and, you know, I mean, I was watching, I was watching your videos, you know, um, in the early stages of my career, which is, you know, like, like, like 20 years ago and watching you at, at fairs and at, at, at public events and stuff, just, you know, doing this fast, sharp stuff, and, and and it never fails to amaze me seeing seeing how fluent and, and effective you do that. So, um, for full details of the workshop are, are are over at the UK um hypnosis convention website. But 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 also um, on the Friday of the convention, Sean's going to be presenting about the Dave Elman um, induction, both in one to one in the therapy environment or with with a group as well. And and the the, the, the subheading 
of this particular presentation is the most effective hypnotic induction. And I remember reading this the first time we got, we got Sean's submission um, um, and thinking, you know, that, that's some statement. I love this. I love this, uh, the boldness of it. Um, 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 Sean, tell me, share with us um, um, a little bit about why you feel so strongly about it. Well, I think it's an induction for all seasons. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it can be used uh, on a stage. It can be used in demonstrations. It can be used to tell as a relaxation exercise to identify highly hypnotizable people. It can be, it's, it's a nice gentle induction. It can be used in therapy. I mean, some people think that I do instant inductions all the time in my therapy room and I do not. I use the no. Dave Allen induction. I only pull out the instant inductions when with the maybe two or 3% of people who don't go in with the Dave Elman induction. So I find it to be very effective. And I've, I've been fortunate uh, to be friends with, uh, with Dave Elman's son, Colonel Larry Elman. And in our, our years of friendship, I've learned some things about the Dave Elman induction that make it even more effective. And so, and then that, that and just practicing it is so many thousands of times uh, you get, you get pretty good at it. Um, it really seems to me like it's the best all-around induction. It's super fast. I mean, three minutes, and you've got a nice workable level of trance where you can do your yeah. hypnotherapy. Um, yeah, I just – now, there are other inductions. I'm not – I used to be uh, militant about how – these long progressive muscle relaxation inductions were just awful. And they're not, they're, they're wonderful inductions and they're gentle and they work. And, and the only disadvantage to that, and you get very deep trance because. Uh, I mean, it's it, purpose it, under certain circumstances, right? Sorry. Uh, I was just saying that, that, that they serve a, they serve a purpose under certain yeah. circumstances. Yeah. And, and in the 17 countries I've visited, I found that most hypnotists use progressive muscle relaxation inductions. And that's yeah. fine because it is basically um, a bunch of deepeners. <laughs> that's what it is. And so, yeah. I mean, my, my friends that use it said, well, why did you, why are you teaching how to deepen the trance? You don't get deep trance. Well, you can get deep trance with progressive muscle relaxation. It just takes a little while. And, and I'm very impatient. So, uh, so the Dave Elman induction takes three minutes and boom, you're ready to do your therapy. So, so that's why I like it. I think it's the most flexible induction and, and yeah, so, so and you've made a point, you've made a point of stating that, it, that, that, you know, it's, it's also, you know, it, it can be a go-to as far as group sessions are concerned, oh, you know, yeah. um, um, because, you know, a, a group is very much a different creature. Um, what, what makes it so good for using in a group session? Well, I mean, well, some people might know, not know that the Dave Elman induction actually started out as a group induction. That's, that's how it I was. Did not know that. I, yeah. I learned something today. It was, it was born as a, as a group induction that Elman used when he was doing his um, uh, hypnosis shows, comedy hypnosis shows in vaudeville. And then he adapted it to become a therapy induction. So, wow. so yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect. You just just do a couple of small tweaks to it, and it's either either on the stage or it's in the therapy room. And um, yeah, so uh, but but in a group in a group, um, I I don't do a lot of shows, but I do at least several shows a year. And uh, and this is my induction. This is what I use, and it works really. It works as well now as it did during the early 1900s when Elman invented it. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th 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 this is going to be a great presentation, you know, um, um, the, the nuance, the experience that you have with Larry and, and, and you know, your, your years of experience. I, I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about, about welcoming you um, once again, you know, for all the people that are watching, that are tuning in here, you know, um, um, I think, I think, I think everybody needs a bit of a Sean Michael Andrews experience in, if they're <laughs> going to have a good, a good hypnosis, a, a good hypnosis career and skill set. Um, um, you know, I think you need to get that under your belt. Um, uh, you know, you can book tickets to Sean's workshop and, uh, you know, as well as coming and seeing him present on the Friday of the convention, visit the uh, UK Hypnosis Convention uh, website, ukhypnosisconvention.co.uk. Um, Sean's been incredibly generous already. I'm just kind of reining him in because I want him to tell all the good stuff on the day. You know, Sean and I had dinner once and um, he said something lovely to me um, that, 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 that he... he he may not even remember, um, but he said to me, I keep no secrets, Adam. Yeah. Um, uh, do you remember saying that? You know, um, you, you, yes. said, you said, I, I keep no secrets. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I love this. You know, you're just so generous in, in the way in which you give and teach and train. And, um, you know, it, it really comes across when, when you are teaching and training as well as in person. And I, I always really appreciate that about you. Um, um, thank you, Adam. I, I appreciate it. But I mean, I, I, I just try to operate in the same manner that the fellows who taught me did, fellows yeah. and a couple of gals too. Um, they, were, they were always very good about sharing with me and, uh, and just as a tribute to my teachers, that's what I want to do. I won't keep secrets. If I know something, boy, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, um, come see Sean. Come uh, tune in with him. Come and, uh, and track him down. Come and find him in a corner because, yes. like I said, he is generous. You know, go and, go and small talk with him and, and ask him some deep questions as well. Um, um, UK not too deep. Not too deep. Yeah. I'm not that kind of guy. If you went deep questions, you ask Adam. But if you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm trying to encourage people not to do that at the convention this year. <laughs> okay, great, Sean. Thank you very much. I can't wait to see you again in November. Best wishes. You. Yes. Take care. Thank you, Adam. <laughs>
can I finally get rid of my allergies? Because I didn't have any. But the idea was so, like, if, if you go to a course, people will often talk about, you know, how it's possible to change, you know, a phobic response or a compulsion or what people consider to be in the psychological realm. Yeah. And pretty much everything we did would, by conventional thinking, qualify as belonging to the psychological realm. And then you had this one exception, which was <laughs> allergies. Yeah, yeah. But you suddenly had this allergy pattern. And I was like, of course, most people have this mind-body split thing pretty ingrained where they kind of go, well, that's physical and that's psychological, you know, and that doesn't belong, right? Yeah. You, you suddenly had this one thing that, that, that was like, an allergic response? What? Changing an allergic response? Like, what the hell is that? Like, is that, because that to me seemed like uh, dipping your toes into a, almost like a forbidden world or a, or a different world. So yeah. it was like, A, yeah, really. is, is, this, is, is this possible? And I discovered that it was, at least a lot of the time. And of course, what else may be possible? And the answer to that, of course, is who knows? But it's, it's, it's an interesting exploration. So that was yeah. my original passion. And um, I've done a lot of work in that realm. And I've found ways to simplify it uh, and, and make it more and more user-friendly for people. So I thought, um, I, I noticed that relatively few people seem to do that type of work for, for some reason. I don't know why, but... Very yeah. do. So I thought, why don't I, because I usually do this at seminars as live demos. So why don't I get someone or two and work with them live on stage instead of just talking about it, giving some people the opportunity to actually experience it and get people to see it. And I think also for credibility, I think the fact that you are part of, you know, selecting these folks, uh, you know, to kind of ensure that they aren't just friends of mine, you know, <laughs> with, with, with a special deal, you know, you know, that type of... Uh... I mean, let, let, let me just make that plain uh, uh, as well for people that are, that are yeah. tuning into this, um, because, you know, one of the things I've always greatly admired about you is that, um, um, you, you know, you, you, you test what you do, you test it, right. um, um, you, you, you permit yourself to be challenged and, and you work in very real terms up on the stage. Um, and I, I know we've discussed this before, where actually you followed up with, 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 with people that have been up on stage at trainings and things like that. But, but, but here um, with this, we, we are asking, we're specifically asking today um, um, for, for volunteers. Um, because you, you are going to do live change work on stage with one or more people who have food allergies right. um, and, and, and looking to, to test the results for right. everybody to see, you know, which is, which, which, which is massive, incredibly exciting thing to do. You know, to yes. tell me about what people can expect. Well, I, I, I think the, the allergy thing is a very rewarding thing to do too, because you, you can usually test it, you know, live. And, yeah, yeah. and you, 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 can, you can see, you know, pe people, can, people can bring the, the selected food and, and we can, you know, we, we can test it. And um, so 
what we're looking for is someone who has, you know, food allergies, not nut allergies that, that would not be responsible to do, but, but, but food, food allergies, you know, stuff that's safe to test. Uh, people who know they have such an allergic response and obviously people who, who, who want a different response and who are genuinely yeah. curious and, and want to play and, and also are comfortable with the idea of being on stage. That's, that's, that's the main, uh, the main thing. And, and I really like testing and exploring and, and, you know, back to this point, you know, I, I, I'm a lucky bastard. I, I, I had John Grinder as like an informal mentor for quite a few years. And yeah. people ask me, what's the most useful thing you got for him, from him? And it was a lot of stuff, but the, the visceral thing is seeing him fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm not kidding. Because, of course, I intellectually knew that, of course, he had to not get results with, with everyone. But it was something to see it and see the way of handling it. And not that I needed it, but it, I'll put in quotation marks, it gave me more permission to, to yes. do the same. And, and I think yeah. as a teacher, sharing it on stage, and if we, if we are successful, great. If not, the students will get a chance to, to see some troubleshooting and, yeah. and see ways of dealing with that. And hopefully we'll also have some way for the, um, um, the volunteers to check back on the forum, you know, over time and, 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 and yeah. share, you know, what their actual, because that's always them up and see how they're getting on, yeah, you know, yeah. what's happening in the world. Cause you, you want that information. That's how you yeah. learn. That's the exciting. That's the exciting part. Yeah, and the, the world of the world of you know the, the, the therapeutic environment, for example, is not as idealistic as as some demonstrations would would, would have us believe. They're a little yes. Bit you know that they're kind of filled with, with with an idealistic notion that it isn't very representative of reality um and i really like that i really like seeing people uh, being challenged as much as i'm as, as i'm rooting for them um to do to, to do wonderful things it's lovely yeah. to see the reality of of them being challenged and overcoming that or working with it um and and, and, and seeing what they do in that very very realistic much more kind of realistic yeah, the, the, the the messiness and, and the realness of it and and the because uh, yeah i think you know often we look for the demo subjects that kind of are easy to work with and for understandable reasons because you want to demonstrate something but yeah but um yeah i i just think it's so important to that transparency and that openness i i developed this pesky habit that for some reason i seem to be one of the few people to do but i would i would go to seminars and i would get the phone numbers and the email addresses of like the demo subjects and i would contact them a couple of months later go hey this is Jurgen from the seminar you know how is that x yeah and i yeah. I, 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 love that. I i discovered that a lot of demos that often look very spectacular with strong shapes you know state shifts and a lot of raw raw on stage that that did not necessarily map onto any predictability uh, as to how people would report you know changes or not changes over time. 
And not that that's necessarily a problem, but it's but those distinctions are not necessarily made often by the people who do demos on stage. Yeah. And, and, and then the students go home and, and, and sometimes they're kind of confused about like, wait a minute, this looks so easy on stage. Like what, yeah. what's, what's happening here in, 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 in the messy real world? Yeah, quite right. Quite right. You know, the reality is quite different. Um, um, you, um, you, you mentioned in your write-up as well that, 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 that if there is time at the end, you know, you, you, you'll perhaps have some discussion on the implications of this work into the reality of kind of mind body work and psychosomatic issues. Um, um, because you, you know, I, 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 th 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 there is a, there is a psychosomatic component to this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, I've done a lot of work in, in, in the realm of, aller of allergies. I, you know, but in terms of implications and what may be possible, I mean, I have a lot more questions than answers. But it's but 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 it's 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 an interesting topic to explore. Yeah. That that and it, it's it's also very interesting. It really if, is. If, if you look at, for example, remember uh, a psychology student I knew. He, he used to say, you know, well, this NLP and hypnosis stuff. I mean, CBT, you know, REBT, Alice, you know, they essentially do the same type of stuff. You know, like there's nothing you guys bring to the table. I said, well, you, you're right to to a large extent, and When's the last time you heard about a CBT or REBT person work successfully with an allergy? Yeah. Like, like it, it, it doesn't seem to be like part of the map, so to speak. Like, yeah. like so, so if, if these demos and, and, and the lecture can inspire some folks to, to look in that direction and to play in that direction, yeah. that would be awesome. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it really will. You know, I, I, I'm incredibly excited about this. You know, I'm, I'm getting front row seats for this particular. For this particular. Um, I, I'm really excited. Um, um, for anybody that's watching this, um, if there's if there's someone you know, um, or if, if you yourself um, would be interested in coming and volunteering, um, I'm at the UK Hypnosis Convention, coming and working with with Jurgen, uh, being a volunteer to 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 look at working with with, with an allergy of food intolerance um, and that would be uh, that would be wonderful get in touch with uh, with myself or Jurgen and yes. um, and we'll, we'll set things up accordingly pre pre preferably both and uh, oh two things uh, not not allergy and, and not like um, yeah 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 not not a nut allergy what's this called in in English there's something in Norwegian called celiacy it's not uh, celiacs yeah not that yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't been able to, to, to work with that effectively. So I'm, I'm not looking yeah. for that. But, but anything else? Uh, yeah. yeah, great, great. Yeah. Um, 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 so, so get in touch with us. Um, and likewise, um, um, you want to come and sit in, you want to come and join me in the audience um, um, and watch this, watch this happen. Um, and then visit the website, ukhypnosisconvention.co.uk. Come and watch Jürgen's presentation. Um, as, as with all of Jürgen's presentations, I think, I think it holds a huge amount of promise and, and I'm really excited about it, as I said. Um, even I'm, if it's early in the morning, even if it's early in the morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, 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 you know, what, 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 I, think, I think this is something um, um, that's gonna be uh, re really awesome to behold. Um, Jürgen, th thanks, thanks for offering this presentation at the UK Hypnosis Convention. Thanks for talking to me today. Um, um, best wishes. I look forward to seeing you in November. Thanks for having me.